0: Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. How are you feeling? How you doing? How are you holding up? What's going on with you? With more than 65 million Americans serving as a caregiver, you would think we wouldn't feel so isolated, but we are. And I have found that caregivers can feel isolated in a crowded room. We can feel isolated on a crowded pew. So heads up to you church leaders. That there are caregivers in your midst who feel very cut off and you may be looking at them while you're preaching your next message. And yet, is it going all the way down to the core of who they are? Are you speaking in a way they can understand? This program is broadcast exclusively in Fluent Caregiver. Yes, that's true. You heard it right. I speak Fluent Caregiver and I want to speak to my fellow caregivers in a way that they understand because I wish somebody had done that for me. A lot of people spoke to me. They gave me all kinds of great scriptures and everything else, but it didn't penetrate because they didn't understand what the core issues were going on in my heart. They didn't understand what was happening there. Well, I do. And so I'm speaking to you in a way that you can understand now as a caregiver so that you can go and talk to someone else. Part of understanding the language of caregivers is understanding how flexible we must be. I was not supposed to be on the air today. Gracie was supposed to have a surgery yesterday. A Very large surgery, but she took a nuclear stress test to check out some things with her heart about a week ago. Well, she finished up on Friday. Well, guess what? Monday was a holiday. So when you have Labor Day, you don't get the call back to say what the results were, but we just assumed they were fine. Well, they weren't. And I had Gracie in the car, getting ready to drive to the airport. It's about an hour drive from our home here in Montana. We had Transportation, the right hotel, everything. I remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I double checked, triple checked, quadruple checked, had everything going. Everything was right. And then we got a call from the doctor. Gracie is in the car. I come in to get one last bag, got everything in the car. I've been weighing all the suitcases to make sure we had everything right because we're going away for probably a month at least. The last time she had this type of surgery, she was in there for 10 weeks. So I was prepared to, you know, stay down in Denver for a while. And we get the call from the surgeon's office. Hey, there's something going on with her heart. We want to check this out. She needs to see a cardiologist. We're going to postpone the surgery until we get this done. Which is, you know, that's good. They caught it. I'm glad they caught it before we were in the air. It does require a bit of pivoting uh, kind of quickly. And so we're trying to get her into a cardiologist now which is no easy thing because cardiologists tend to be backed up a good bit. So that's where we stand at this point. And then as soon as we get that done and figure out what's going on with her, then we resume the surgery, but we're dead in the water until that gets settled. Such is the life of a caregiver. How many of you understand how important it is to be flexible? How many of you all have got road rash (laughs) from skidding to a a stop when you're going 90 miles an hour with your hair on fire. You understand that, don't you? This is our life as caregivers. So what are we going to do? How are we going to adjust? Do we get mad? Do we scream, cuss, fuss? Or do we take it in stride and think through it? Now, I had to mentally shift gears quite a bit because I had a lot of things in play. And Gracie was certainly very unsettled about this. But here we are. So we can't guarantee that if any day that we're going to, no matter how much we plan, that it's going to go smoothly. That's a hard way to live, isn't it? Most people do not have to live that way. But we as caregivers have crisis de jour and things can go wrong so quickly because there's so many moving pieces, you know. In a normal life, I don't know what a normal life is, but I'm surmising that a normal life doesn't have quite as many pieces moving as we do as caregivers, where things can go wrong very quickly and they have pretty significant consequences. There's just no margin for error. And we're already kind of stretched thin. But part of being a caregiver is being flexible. Flexible. I don't think this is in scripture, but somebody once said, "Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape." Do you ever feel like Gumby? (laughs) You remember Gumby and Pokey? Do you ever feel like? I mean, you know, it's uh for those of you a little younger, Stretch Armstrong. You know, (laughs) that's that's the way we are sometimes as caregivers, and we get pulled in six different directions, and you got to take a moment to kind of gather your thoughts. And as soon as I changed the flights around, which I did, cancel the hotel, which I'm going to have to eat one night, may be able to get some of that back because I put it on American Express, some travel insurance benefits on there with them that I may be able to get it back. May not. And I didn't have any groceries in the house, so I had to do some grocery shopping. When we went to Bozeman, I got some takeout and so we had dinner but the next morning i had to get up and make a pretty substantial grocery run because i I really was so proud of myself i had timed it up beautifully so i wouldn't have any fresh things or things that could spoil in the refrigerator and we were good you know because when you're going to go away for a month maybe more like i did last time so I, i you know it was one of those things where I had tried to be as organized as possible, and I had done all the laundry, so I was grateful for that, clean linens and everything else, Uh, so the place was clean, but it just, you know, when you wake up, you don't have any food, (laughs) and so I made a pretty good-sized grocery run. We're stocked up. We'll figure what to do next. Stopped by my neighbor on the way home and got some fresh farm, fresh eggs and some fresh milk uh, from their cow. And I used the cream on top of the milk to make Gracie's coffee. And that made her feel a little bit better as we started the next day and tried to regroup and go to next steps. On an aside note, if you haven't had fresh cream in your coffee, I would highly recommend it. It's a delightful treat. And when you deal with the ups and downs that we have as caregivers, sometimes it's the little things that make it a little better and fresh cream I mean, really fresh cream in your coffee. I drink mine black. I mean, black, with just brutally black. But Gracie likes a lot of cream and sugar in her coffee. And so you look for the little things. What are you going to do? You're going to sit there and cry, cuss, and fuss, and everything else? I mean, what are you going to do? You can't fight this. I mean, it's beyond our control. If she goes into a surgery as big as what was planned, and she's got some kind of heart issue going on when she's not coming out of that surgery so you have to respect the process but it does require you to catch your breath a little bit and say okay i've got to think through a, a whole series of things that need to be done immediately i mean there are some things that need to be done like within the first 30 minutes some things that need to be done within the first hour and a half and then some things need to be done within the first 24 hours and and that's kind of the way you have to think as a caregiver. I don't know. That's how I do it. What do you think? I mean, do you have a different mechanism when you're faced with things that require an immediate adjustment? I mean, hard right turns, sometimes hard 180 degree turns. But, you know, it's a little unnerving and, and you do get a bit of uh, disorientation and you have to kind of catch your breath for a moment because it's a gut punch to change your plans that quickly, particularly when you have somebody who has significant impairments and challenges and she can't move that quickly. You know, she can't adjust on the dime. And I got to tell you, I'm not getting any younger, so it's getting a little more challenging for me to do it too. But that's part of the journey of us being caregivers is that we have to be flexible and recognize that even in that, His sovereignty doesn't change. His presence doesn't abandon us. And, you know, I look at Paul, he wanted to do such and such and he couldn't do it. He was constantly having to make adjustments in his life, shipwrecked, all those kinds of things. And he talks about that. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more because those are things that kind of stick with me through moments like this when buffeted by the swirling things that affect us as caregivers. But that's our life, that's my life, and I bet you that's a lot of your lives as well. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver, Caregiver.com. We'll be right back.
1: In a world where no one can tell us no, To this day, every human being born on this planet is the product of a male and a female. That's the way God set it up.
2: God created us in His image.
1: A place where Facebook and YouTube have no control.
0: I think the command in Scripture relative to men and women is not mainly women sit down, but men stand up, act like men, lead as you're supposed to. A place where we can no longer be
1: canceled. When the Scripture speaks, God speaks. And if you understand that rightly, then everything else simply falls into place. The American Family Association presents the AFA streaming platform. Just visit streaming.afa.net for the latest films, documentaries, and AFA original productions. You'll even find videos from some of your favorite talk shows. All you have to do is create a free account at streaming.afa.net. Introducing AFA streaming a new online platform that hosts all AFA-produced video content, including documentaries, church curriculum, American Family Radio shows, and our Cultural Institute series. The Constitution only works in the atmosphere of Christianity. Critical race theory and intersectionality are new religious frameworks. The Christian must say, as Paul said to the Galatians, There is no new gospel.
0: AFA Streaming is a vital step that we are taking to fulfill our vision to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. You'll find top-notch resources that address the issues of our day related to marriage, family, the sanctity of life, and many others. Start streaming today,
1: streaming.afa.net.
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberg, and This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. I hope you go out and take advantage of a lot of the things that we have out there. Uh, Products, uh, books, music, articles, all kinds of stuff. Our podcast is free. And everything that you hear on this radio program, we put on the podcast. And then we have other things that we put on there as well. From what I understand, it's the largest podcast in the world for family caregivers. That's what they tell me. And I know that sometimes that may sound like, well, yeah, you're number one at curb jumping with a bulldozer. I mean, How many podcasts can there be for caregivers? Well, evidently, there's quite a few. And um, this program seems to resonate with a very large audience, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm also very grateful for American Family Radio for broadcasting this, as well as the other affiliates, the Truth Network and others who see the value of going out to the family caregiver and penetrating into that loneliness, that isolation. You know, isolation is the toughest issue I think we face long-term as caregivers. We're just cut off. Sickness cuts people off. Disability cuts people off. You know, emotional distress and things such as that, we all, we feel, we, we just kind of withdraw. Or, or we are cut off or we are shunned. Either way, it's, it's a very lonely journey. There's three eyes that every caregiver deals with. Isolation, loss of independence, and loss of identity. And all of those things make towards very dark times for a caregiver. Well, how are they going to get any better? How, how are we going to get healthier unless somebody comes to us? And that's what we're doing on this program. And why do we do this? Well, first off, as a caregiver myself, I understand the value of what it means when somebody comes into your distress and and fellowships with you and just be with you. They They just hang out with you, spend time, listen to you. But more importantly, that's the gospel. That's what Christ did for us. He came to our isolation. We were cut off because of sin. No way we could go to Him. He came to us. And so as we do this for one another, we're modeling what Christ did for us. And I'm grateful to all the people that helped make this show possible and get that out. We were talking about disappointment and flexibility. Paul, in Acts 16, I reference this, verses 6 through 7, and they went through the region of, I don't know how you say that, Phrygia? Phrygia? How do you say that? Phrygia? They went through this region (laughs) and Galatia having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, M-Y-S-I-A, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And Paul really wanted to do these things, but God stopped him. And, you know, Paul had to learn how to pivot and be flexible. And he gave an account in his letter to the Corinthians um about him beseeching God to remove a thorn in the flesh. God didn't do it. He says, my grace is sufficient. And you can look through all of Scripture and you see instances like this. Joseph really did not want to be imprisoned. He didn't want to be a slave in Potiphar's house. He didn't want to be in prison after Potiphar's wife um, falsely accused him. He interpreted the dreams for the butcher and the baker, I mean, the, the butler and the baker. And he... Said, hey, when you get to, he told the baker he was going to be killed, executed, uh, which he was. But he told the butler he'd be reinstated. But said, when you, when you get there, don't, don't forget about me. And the guy forgot about it, or at least he didn't say anything for several years until Pharaoh had a dream. And you realize that God's timing is perfect. We look at time chronologically. That's where the word Chronos in the Greek. There's another word for time that is used throughout. Scripture, particularly the New Testament, kairos, which means appointed time. When you see at that time, these are appointed times that God has decreed for this to happen at that time. And this is when it's going to happen. Well, do we still have those things in our life today? Do those things still apply to us? I don't see anything in Scripture that tells us that they wouldn't. That God has a time for everything. And the question then becomes, what are the implications for us, particularly as caregivers? So when we face this disappointment this week of, I mean, I I know, granted, disappointment with having a nine-hour surgery is a little bit weird to wrap your mind around, but still, she needs to have this. And you face this disappointment, and you think, okay, well, what do we do about this? Do we trust that God has a plan in this? Well, of course we do. That's what Scripture tells us. Why, why call yourself a Christian at all if you're not going to trust that he has a plan, that he's not sovereign in it? Scripture clearly communicates that God is sovereign and that he is intimately involved in all that's going on. But it also clearly indicates that <laughs> he's not in any way obligated to tell us these things. And he asks us to trust him. He invites us to trust him. He assures us that he's not going to leave us but we're not going to know all the things that he's doing. I have no idea why this surgery had to be canceled other than the fact that if she's got some kind of heart issue going on that we'll find out when we get to the cardiologist. I'll let you guys know. Then the last thing you want to do is put her under for a nine-hour surgery. Okay, that's a no-brainer on that one. But at the same time, you know, there are day-to-day things that we have to deal with as caregivers. You know that, I know that. And can we trust that he's just as involved in those as some of these big things? And what are the implications of all that? See, these are questions I ask myself a lot. It's not enough for me to just grumble and just go through the motions and do it. I want to understand more of what's happening from a theological perspective, biblical perspective. Understand, what's the precept here? What am I learning through this? what am i learning about god through this what am i learning about myself through this i find a lot of places in scripture and also a lot of hymns that help me better understand these things so that i'm not just stupidly going through the motions i've done that for many years <laughs> you have no trouble believing that do you you know and i i don't want to be that way i don't want to be just a you know an oxen with a plow on his back and has no understanding of what's going on. And I don't believe that we're called to do that. I think God would have us ask questions and pursue Him deeply in these things, not because we're ever going to attain a full understanding. We can know God truly, but we'll never know Him absolutely because He's God, He's other. We're not, He's infinite, we're finite. And that's going to stretch all the way into eternity. But the the longer we serve Him, the sweeter he grows as the old hymn say the more we understand the depths of of his presence of his magnificence and his provision and we trust we get to know him we spend time getting to know him and seeing how all of this matches up with scripture in our life today so that when we are hit with things that require us to pivot on a dime to be flexible to adjust, disappointments, all kinds of things that we're not shaking and freaking out. I got to ask you, how many more people do we need in this country that freak out at the moment there's any kind of crisis? Do you want your surgeon doing that? Do you want your pastor doing that? Do you want your elected leaders doing that? Enough of them already do. We're looking for people who are measured to be able to give us that assurance. And then people are looking to us to be measured to help communicate assurance to them. How many of you all would just informal survey, raise your hand, not while you're driving, but just raise your hand. For all you Pentecostals, you could raise both hands. It's okay. Oh, that's funny. You know it is. But how many of you all would say that you're a bit more tempered, calmer, and measured as a caregiver by our spending time together through this program, that you have a bit more understanding of the journey, and you're not as reactive as you used to be maybe a couple of years ago, maybe a couple months ago? Is that a a fair question to ask? May I ask that? And if so, why? Well, is it because I just bring this big bag of wisdom every week? No, it's because I have experience and I have walked these things and I still do. And I'm saying things the way you understand to say, oh, wait but somebody else is walking this. Oh, well, that's why he, oh, that's, oh, that's how he did it. And then all of a sudden you could do the same thing. Well, where do you think I learned it from? I don't just make this stuff up. Granted, I aggregated it from a lifetime of this, but I've had other people that I've modeled my decision-making after. I didn't understand it. I didn't even have their level of faith, but I believed that they believed it. And I thought, well, okay. Scripture teaches this. When it says, remember those who spoke the word of the Lord to you, when appropriate, imitate their faith. So I went and found some people whose faith was worth imitating. My father was one of those. And God brought other people to my life, and I looked at my looked at their life, I looked at their conduct, I looked at what they did. And I thought, okay, this is how they're doing it in the midst of their journey. What about me? Can I appropriate that same thing? And I did, and I am, and I do, and I will. Gracie did the same thing. She's laying there in the hospital after her wreck when she woke up. This is 40 years ago. And she was overwhelmed by what had happened to her. And God knew that she needed somebody whose faith was worth imitating. And she thought about that. She thought, you know, how am I going to get through this? And then she remembered the woman who led her to the Lord. She was just six years old. She didn't know anything about her story at the time. But as she lay there in the hospital bed, she did reflect on it and thought that woman's faith sustained her through a nightmare and that woman's faith was sustained in that and gracie said well if if, if she could be sustained in her situation i can trust him with mine and so gracie borrowed if you will the faith she looked at the one who spoke the word of the lord to her and imitated her faith and recognized okay if she can trust God with her stuff, then I'll trust it with mine. That woman's name, by the way, was Corey Tin Boone. And she had trusted God with the horrors of the Holocaust. And she led a six-year-old Gracie to the Lord. What do you think? You think that was a Kairos moment at that time, at that appointed time, that Gracie would interact with that woman and Gracie would be prepared to have a legacy of faith like that? Think about that for just a moment. We'll be right back. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver.
2: This is Frank Gaffney, host of Securing America, a program dedicated to protecting the country
0: we love against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to the glory of God and his kingdom. Each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, we provide insights and recommendations about the most important challenges facing our nation from her most
2: thoughtful experts and patriots. Join me to learn how you can help in securing America right here at 11 p.m. Eastern Time.
1: The American Family Association is a nonprofit organization that counts on your financial support to keep fighting to stem the tide of secularism in our culture and to rebuild our Christian foundations. One way many people choose to give is through the AFA Foundation. They found it's a great way to make a difference in people's lives by keeping the mission of AFA going for their kids, grandkids, and even beyond. There are also numerous ways to give that can benefit you now by providing tax benefits and even income. Of course, it doesn't stop there, or should we say, start there. The AFA Foundation can also guide you step-by-step in planning your estate and setting up your will so you can have the peace of mind knowing everything is in its place. It's a great gift to your family and to countless others. Will you take time today and stop by afafoundation.net all the resources you need are right there at your fingertips. Afafoundation.net.
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Hope for the caregiver.com. for the I hope you'll go out to the site and take advantage of all the things I put out there. Music, articles, the podcast, books, so many different things. It's the culmination of a lifetime of doing this and still learning, as you heard in the last block of having to adjust, pivot, be flexible, deal with crisis de jour, you know, all the above that we as caregivers deal with. While we're on that subject, I was doing an interview this week with Moody Radio and the host asked me an interesting question. She said, if people come up to you and say, I know how you feel, is that helpful to you? For them to express that sentiment, I know how you feel, is that helpful to you? And I said, no, it's not helpful to me. Is it helpful to you? I'm asking you all as caregivers, is it helpful if if I come up to you and say, I know how you feel? I mean, you know, maybe it makes you not feel so alone, I guess. But does that really help you? Does does it really matter? Does that really speak to the core need? You all know my story. You know how difficult my journey is. So I'm going to know how many of you feel. But that isn't. What does that mean? And the host was kind of surprised. I said, if you want to speak to a caregiver, try this instead. Don't don't say, hey, I know how you feel. Because that makes it about... My story. I I want to hear about your story. I want to speak to your heart. And so I said, go up to a caregiver and say, I see you. I see you. And I see the magnitude of what you carry. And I hurt with you. I said, try that. So I say to you, my fellow caregivers, that you're why I do this program. Because I see you and I see the magnitude of what you carry. I understand and appreciate and respect the magnitude of what you carry. And I get your text, I get your phone calls, I get your email, and I, and I understand that. And I appreciate how difficult this must be for you. And I hurt with you. I'm not interested in comparing your story to mine, or vice versa. I'm more interested in both of us being stronger and healthier as we take care of someone who is not. I'm more interested in pointing you to solid ground as others have pointed me to solid ground. I don't need to feel better about this, and I'm really not trying to make you feel better about this. What I want to do is for both of us to be better as we go about this. Would you not agree that that's a better goal? For both of us. For all of us. So that we're not just sitting around and just kind of commiserating with each other or saying, oh, I know how you feel, and you know they're there, and... Eh, what a waste of time and i i can remember being seen or or truly believing that i was being seen i was seen but i, I it, it didn't penetrate down into my heart and i remember those times when people looked at me and they said i see you and i i remember how meaningful that was to me and i can't be the only one now we're not here to resolve our challenges. Rather, we're here to become resolved as we deal with our challenges, resolute in our faith, resolute in our convictions, resolute in our abilities to stay calm while dealing with very, very difficult circumstances, like being in the car ready to go down for a surgery that's going to keep us away from home for over a month and then getting the call no that's not going to happen there's something going on with their heart i mean that's a bit jarring okay let's let's just be candid but how do we stay calm how do we stay focused how do we stay measured in those circumstances do you think that i learned how to do this out of my own skill set do you think i just you know figured this out no way i go back to biblical principles that tell me i can be calm i can be still and know that he is god i can go back to biblical principles that say the lord thy god in the midst of thee is mighty jesus took a nap in the boat while his disciples were flailing around do you not know lord we're going to drown help us jesus knew that he came to this earth to die but he also knew that it wasn't going to be in a boat. So there is that level of faith and assurance. And I go back to again when I said at last week's program, that surgeon who told me to go rest. We've got her. Well, guess what? Every day is a new day for me to understand better God's directive. Rest. I've got her. Rest. I've got her. I'm not saying God audibly spoke that to me, but everything in Scripture, I think you can rightly deduce. That's what he said. You be still. He's got this. The battle is the Lord, not by might, not by power, but by my, finish it. Spirit, says the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. This is what David went out to fight with Goliath. And he knew that the battle was the Lord's. And, and I think there's a point where we as caregivers, do we believe this? And if so, what are the implications? And if not, what are the implications? It's not enough for me to just say, okay, I believe this. No, when we believe God, it has life-altering implications. When we take Him at His word. Go back and look at Genesis 15, and I don't think we spend enough time there as the church universal here i just don't think we spend enough time in genesis 15 but abraham believed god and it was accounted to him as righteousness we can unpack that chapter for days and days and days of the implications of believing god not believing in god believing god taking him at his word and what does his word say Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee do we believe this or not As caregivers, I'm asking you. And if so, if you say that you believe this, what are the implications? What does that mean to you the next time you see your loved one going into a seizure? What does that mean the next time you see the loved one in your life who's an addict or an alcoholic relapsing? What does that mean to you when you are taking care of an aging parent who has dementia and they're lashing out at you and they're cussing at you? What does that mean to you when you say thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee? Are you able to deal with all of those things and stay peaceful? Well, certainly not on your own strength. I can't. But Scripture says thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Can we keep our minds stayed on him in the midst of all those things? When the surgeon calls up and said, Hey, there's something wrong with her heart, we're gonna to have to switch gears, you can't do the surgery right now. We've been planning on this, I know that. You got your airline booked, you got your hotel booked, you got all these things booked. What do you do? Do we just freak out? Is that is that the the, the plan? Or do we take a moment, breathe in deeply? That will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on thee. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, these verses are all there for us. And then we can go to our hymnals and we can see things such as morning by morning, new mercies I see, great is thy faithfulness, which is actually right out of Lamentations. Do we believe this? Do you understand now why this program exists? Why I do what I do? Yes, I want to make sure we know how to do the task of caregiving. It's important. And each of you have various things you have to do that are extremely difficult and important. And there's no way that I could tell you how to take care of your loved one. Because there are so many different moving pieces, just like there are with Gracie. I mean, I looked at Gracie the other day. I said, look, we have so many moving pieces in our life. We have to go slow. We have to think it through. We have to take a deep breath. But we're going to have to start simplifying our life as well because there's so many moving pieces. And nobody could just jump into our life and start handling this without an enormous amount of preparation, just like you. But I promise you, if we can just settle our hearts down and say to ourselves, Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Even in the midst of the craziness that happens, if we can do this, and the only way we can is God's power resting upon us, but we have to, we have a task in that. We can't just, you know, sit there and passively say, okay, God, you do it. I'll just sit here and do nothing. No, we are called to do something, even if it's to stand still. And that may be the hardest thing we do as caregivers is to stand still. Because productivity is measured in how fast you move around, right? No. Sometimes the hardest thing we can do is stand still. Don't just do something, stand there. Because standing there is an act of faith. It is active faith of saying, you know what? I am not going to freak out over this. I am not going to run around like a chicken with my head cut off. By the way, I grew up in South Carolina. I remember Dad doing that out there in the backyard, cutting chickens' heads off. Dad listens to this program every week, and he'll get a big hoot out of that. Because I have four brothers and a sister, my baby sister. She didn't appreciate it as much, but by all, all four of my brothers enjoyed immensely watching these chickens run around blood spurting out of their head. Yeah, I know. It's a little weird, but you know that's my life. But I don't want to be like that. Why why would we want to be that way? And as believers, how can the world look at us and say, well, look at these people. What, what kind of God do they serve? That in the midst of these storms, they're they're acting just stupid. They're acting like idiots. See, we, we know something far greater. We know the redeeming work of Christ. We know the provision of God, the faithfulness of God that even in harsh times we are not doomed to that. That even that He is with us. And how we face these times, how we face this adversity, how we face these brutal challenges is speaking volumes to people that are watching. The world is freaking out. Do you not see it everywhere you look? It's freaking out. Should Christians be any different? Yeah. Yeah, we should. And yes, we can. And I say to you, yes, we must. So even as caregivers, when we're faced with these things, let us resolve to be resolute and steadfast in our conviction that he who began a good work in us, even when the doctor calls and says, we're switching gears, I know you're on the way to the airport. No matter what happens in the ER, in the OR, in the funeral home, in the drug rehab program, in the jail, in the divorce court, he will not abandon and he will see us through. By the way, that is Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger, hope for the We'll be right back. I'll never forget walking into the hospital room after Gracie had her second amputation. Both legs are gone now, and she looked at me, she said, I know what I'm gonna do. And I was kind of startled, I said, well, what are you gonna do? She said, I'm going to help provide prosthetic limbs to my fellow amputees and tell them about Jesus. And I said, Well, baby, can we get out of the hospital first? But she never let it go. And for almost 20 years, we've been working out of Ghana, West Africa. We treat patients all over there from other countries that come there. We send supplies, we send teams. We sponsor patients. We work with a prison where inmates volunteer to disassemble used prosthetic limbs so we can recycle the parts. All of this because Gracie trusted God with her heartache. We've got a huge shipment of supplies that is being loaded up right now to go out soon. Would you help us do it? Standingwithhope.com giving. Standingwithhope.com giving. There's prosthetic feet, knees, pylons, sleeves, adapters, all kinds of connectors. All of these things we are sending over there so that people can walk. We're going to point them to Christ. Help us out, standingwithhope.com
2: giving. People often say, don't judge me, but are what they really saying is, God, don't tell me what to do. In God's plan, blessings or judgment hinge on fearing God and keeping his commands. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr with another Stand in the Gap Minute. This week we've looked at examples of national blessings turned to national judgment. As God said in Deuteronomy 28:1 and 2, Fear me and keep my commandments and my blessings will overtake you. But He says in Deuteronomy 28:15, Disobey me and my cursings will overtake you. The choice was clear to Israel and should be to us. Lender or borrower, leader or follower, freedom or bondage, feast or famine, respect or shame, head or tail. America was founded by people who believed God, God blessed. Today we've forgotten God, and God's turned blessing to judgment, just as He said. The sooner God's people look to Him and live holy lives, the sooner God's blessings can return. Discover more at American Pastors Network.net.
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Roseberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. That's Gracie. Rejoice evermore. And that is from her CD, Resilient. And if you go out to our website, hopeforthecaregiver.com, you'll see more of her music. I hope you'll take advantage of it and agree with me, by the way, that she has more songs that she needs to sing. So I told her, I said, baby, you need to get busy here and get this thing taken care of so you can get back in the studio and start singing some more because I'm ready for to hear her cut some more songs. So I'm going to put her to work. Real quick, I want to pivot just for a second. I want to give a shout-out to a couple of different folks. There is a regular listener to this program, Donna Jackson, a wonderful friend who sends me such letters of encouragement, and I just want to say thank you. You know who you are, and thank you very much. I treasure every one of them, and I I treasure all the letters I get from you guys. And I thank you for that. I, I scan them, and I keep them in a special folder, Um, on my computer and they're very important to me. And then I have a special drawer that I keep them in all the paper copies of it as well. So I I keep all of those things. I, I try to, and I appreciate it very much. I appreciate the comments that I get from you all that you do feel understood, that you feel seen, that you feel heard because that's, that's the greatest thing you could say to me as far as doing this show is that I'm hitting the mark and speaking to you in a way that you understand. My book is written in Fluent Caregiver, you know, and I take a a lot of joy in saying that because I didn't know anybody for the vast majority of this time who could speak Fluent Caregiver to me. I didn't know anybody who could speak in a language that I could understand. Until I started seeing scripture in that light and looking at the words that Jesus was saying looking at scripture as a whole looking at a savior in love with a wounded bride just like me i'm in love with a wounded bride and i have a savior that gets that and once i understood that then all of these things started piercing all the way down it started making sense to me but Like learning any kind of new language, it takes time. You've got to spend some time in the in the village. You gotta immerse yourself into it. It's not gonna come easily. I can play the piano, but it didn't come easily to me. I can read music, didn't come easily. I can speak Spanish, didn't come easily. I'm not very good at speaking Spanish. I've learned how to speak Yankee. I mean, you know, I grew up in the South, so you know, I speak in, you know, the heavenly dialect of the South. And people up north, you people in the south, you talk so weird, you know. <laughs> and I love, by the way, the difference between Massachusetts and South Carolina. I had to tell this to a friend the other day. In Massachusetts, they leave R's out of word, like fi and chi and pike. But in the south, we add them back in, like winder and yeller and idea. So anyway, so I had... <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I digress. Hey, it's been a long week, all right? It's been a long week. But I I want you all to understand the words that I'm saying, the message I'm conveying. I want it to make sense to you as a caregiver, okay? That's how I know that it's mission accomplished. And more importantly, I want you to understand the words of Scripture that speak directly to you from your Savior. That's more important than anything. It's difficult. It takes time. You you gotta you gotta spend some time there. You gotta, as Paul said, study and show yourself approved. It's not going to come through osmosis. I remember a lady telling about her son. She's well, he sleeps with a Bible by his bedstead every night. Well, that's great, but does he read it? Does he open it? It doesn't do much good if you don't open it. And, you know, I used to try to tell that to my dad when I was studying for a math test. And I would put the math book under my pillow and it's going to get into my head. You know, (laughs) he didn't buy it and neither do you. You got to spend time with it. You got to wrestle with it. You got to struggle with it. And then you got to learn to see the implications of this in our life as caregivers. Because I promise you, there are serious implications, transformative implications by what you believe. And why do you believe it? And one of my favorite verses, I've been doing a multi part study on Galatians recently, and I've just enjoyed it immensely, but it's very challenging. But one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, maybe the verse for me in all of Scripture, is I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I love that verse. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Well, what are the implications of that for me as a caregiver? The life I live as a caregiver. The life I live as Gracie's caregiver. I live by faith in the Son of God. She does not benefit when I freak out. She does not benefit when I become a hot mess. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Doesn't help her at all. The life I live in this body should reflect what I believe. The life I live as her caregiver, when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm doing the laundry, when I'm taking the phone call from the doctor, when I'm working with pharmacists, when I'm doing all these things, it should reflect what I believe. Would would you not agree? Is she served well if I'm just having a meltdown every time something happens? No. So what about your situation what do you believe and i say to you christian what do you believe is your loved one served well if you are so overcome with bitterness or with fear or with guilt or with shame does that help you as a caregiver any of those things help you i would suggest to you they do not i would suggest to you that that is where the battle is for caregivers Because once we understand what to do with those things, then we are better equipped to deal with the doctor calling and changing gears, the pharmacist saying that your car didn't go through and you got to get these meds, all this other stuff. I mean, name it, all the things that we deal with as caregivers. Once you understand what to do with fear, with guilt, with shame, with bitterness, with resentment, with doubt, with fretting, with worry. Once you know what to do with those things, it doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with them for the rest of your life. There's, it's not a one and done. You're going to have to deal with this for the rest of your life. That's the, that's the nature of our sin nature. That's the human condition. But now you have tools, vocabulary, and more importantly, the equipping transformative power of the Holy Spirit to help you deal with that so when that fear comes up in you you say to yourself god has not given me a spirit of fear but of power and love and a say with me sound mind yeah how many of you all think that having a sound mind is helpful when you're a caregiver how many of you been in a situation where you didn't feel like your mind was sound how many been in that situation this week How many of you have been in that situation today? This is not condemnation, okay? Please understand, this is not condemnation. What we're doing is we're identifying where the battle is. Because if you don't know where the battle is, then you're just going to wave your sword around everywhere. But now we're going to get a little more tactical. Eventually, we're going to get to the point where we're a little more strategic. You know what the difference is? Well... Strategic planning is the long-term stuff. That's where the war is won. That's that's the the generals are having these colonels and so forth. They have these strategic, broad, long-term goals that you know individuals, armies, businesses want to achieve. Tactical is the short-term and actions that be done right now. What is the next right thing? What is the next appropriate thing? And for us as caregivers, we have to break this down into micro steps. I mean, you know this. We can't always think broad. It's hard to plan. I've told you this before many times on this program. It's hard to have a five-year plan when you're dealing with the kind of things that we deal with. I was planning on being gone from here for about a month. Okay, <laughs> that, was, that was on Tuesday morning at 11 o'clock. I was planning on leaving here for a month and now I had to completely change gears and we're back here. And it looks like Gracie's going to have this surgery probably later on in October, towards the end of October. It's going to put us into the holiday season and so forth. It's hard to have a strategic plan like this at times. And that's why tactical is so important for us as caregivers to learn to do. Okay. What's the next right thing? Where is safety? Because at any given point, we're going to find ourselves in a quagmire. And so we got to know where the, where the main road is. How do we get back on the main road? Where is safety? Where's solid ground? That's tactical thinking. And so the moment you get hit with something, and you will, so will I. I'll have something next week. I'll have something later on this afternoon. Where's solid ground? And that's where the principles of God anchor us. And my new book, by the way, A Minute for Caregivers, the whole thing is to point you to solid ground, one-minute chapters. For you pastors who don't know what to say to a caregiver, don't know how to necessarily minister to a caregiver, it's an excellent resource because it's written in Fluent Caregiver. Again, it's very easy to understand, but it helps point people to solid ground. For you counselors, the same thing. Doctors that are listening right now, it's a great tool. For those caregivers in the corner of your exam room while you're looking at someone who has some type of chronic impairment look over in the corner of the room who's taking care of this person are they in good shape if not what do you say to them how do you say something to them what do you recommend to them well that's why i wrote the book so that's tactical thinking strategic thinking is understanding that he's already won this thing and we can be still and know that he is god we can know that the battle is the Lord's. We could say, be still, my soul. We could stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. That's strategic thinking, and that's been done. Tactical thinking is doing the next right thing with that resolve, with that conviction, and that is hope for the caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger, hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll see you next time.